BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to another episode of the Schmozone podcast. This is episode number 56. I'm Helen Yee with Helen Yee Sports being joined by the one and only Dave Schmolson, the Schmo, whatever you want to call me. Thanks for doing the introduction, by the way. Hey, definitely not as good as your intros, but I just wanted to try since we're halfway across the world. I mean, it only took you 56 episodes, and yes, we are halfway across the world, maybe more than halfway across the world. No idea what time it is right now, but uh, craziness, just madness for how we got here in the first place. Yeah, should we kind of let them know what happened? Because less than one week ago, we were still in Arizona. I knew... I know we mentioned you were doing the Schmo versus the Pro. We talked about it with Michael Chandler. And then we saw Sean O'Malley. We saw Henry Cejudo, Pitbull, Captain Eric. I bought a scene. Happy belated birthday. So how do we end up here? Crazy story how we ended up here. Yeah, we drove to Arizona, did like a 24-hour, 36-hour trip. Uh, Got contacted to uh, come out and be part of this broadcast for Karate Combat. So we flew kind of across the globe to this undisclosed location. And uh, it's great because you were a trooper. Helen drove from Vegas and back to Vegas while I was in the car, catching up on work, negotiating the contract, getting us over here. And here we are. We covered the weigh-ins for the fight last weekend uh, for the Derek Lewis, uh, Curtis Blades fight. Um, And then we didn't actually get to go to the fight, but we watched it. Um, from the uh, wide on the plane on the plane and then we came out here and then we're by the time uh, we get back we'll still make it in time for the next big fight yeah. C- C- Cyril gone and uh, Jarzinho Rosenstrike I mean we're making it back and we're sandwiching this midweek craziness no idea what time it is jet lagged galore to the extreme over here but here we are no complaints yeah Hey, I couldn't have said it better myself and the sandwich in between literally like heavyweight fight, like that heavyweight division right now, man, it's popping. And because we know Stipe versus Francis, that rematch going down, UFC 260, it's almost March, May, uh, March 27th. Yeah. And what I love about being here too, someone that you and I both had on our bucket list to interview, Boss Root and the legend. Former UFC heavyweight champion. The first uh, European to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, the UFC Hall of Fame. The guy's a legend. I think he ended his career winning 22 straight. Uh, A man ahead of his time. He's a pioneer of the sport, fighting in the 90s mostly. Uh, The guy's just everywhere. I mean, he's a movie star, he's everything. So we got to interview him. there's you know i can't say anything because they're not releasing the broadcast we can't talk much about it uh i got a part together with him on the uh on season three of this karate combat so boss rootin legend great guy amazing personality interviewed him and great timing for everything so yeah and we also ran into mark goddard someone we last saw 
the final UFC fight of 2020, Stephen Thompson versus Jeff Neal. So we saw him there. We did a quick interview and told him we wanted him on the podcast in person, and we made it happen on the other side of the world, a very different time zone. And so he's our guest today. He's refereeing the event, Mark Goddard. Uh, we, we run into him. We'll play that very, very shortly. And it was great catching up with Mark. Very pleasant surprise. I know he's going to be refereeing for UFC 259 in the Apex. We'll see him in a couple of weeks. But how random, right? <laughs> We're, we, we always run into Mark Goddard, so might as well have him on the podcast. Exactly. It started off the origins of the Mark Goddard interviews on the balcony in Abu Dhabi. In Abu Dhabi, the first fight island in July. So uh, just been building a great rapport with him, and he's one of the best referees and the entire sport and obviously he <laughs> he debunks a lot of stuff too about you know everyone just thinks that the referees are hired by just one organization but they're independent contractors we'll get to that shortly um we'll also want to touch up on uh, sean o'malley henry cejudo you know it was great ca catching up with those guys sean o'malley's got a big fight ufc 260 first time we've seen him in action we'll, we'll see him in action in 2021 um it was yeah. Henry calling everyone out still. Henry's still calling everyone out. But I must say, though, Sean O'Malley's new new house, pretty, pretty spectacular. It's beautiful. Had to do some off-roading to get to his house, though. The, the road all the way out there in rural Phoenix in the, I don't want to call it the boonies, but it is out there. Uh, it was an amazing house, though, by the way. He's got, like, wolves that live, live next door to him. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, in his garage, they, he's got an entire octagon, full-size octagon there. He's got the strength and conditioning, the ski machine, which, which we got you for Valentine's Day. I know he's got a sauna there. He's got a cold plunge outdoors with the pool, a basketball hoop. It's amazing. And the pool overlooks, like, is it the whole city? Or there's, like, that beautiful sunset? Because after the interview, we were amazed. Not the city, but, like, I would say a desert oasis. Oh, yeah. Desert Oasis. I thought I was the one who's jet lagged. I don't even Still know jet lagged. Yeah. I don't know what time it is, but uh, we got to get these podcasts up. So we got to do it. Uh, we'll do it anywhere. Yeah. Um, anytime, I anytime. guess. Yeah. And look at this. Speaking of doing it anywhere, this is like a wooden room that we found a conference room in the hotel we're staying at. This is a wooden coat rack and uh, we just make it work. Uh, today's sponsors for the show, by the way, we'll just get right into it. Sheath underwear. I talk about it all the time. Um, wearing it right now. You're wearing it right now? I am, yeah. yeah. Well, for the guys, the anatomical isolation separating the uh, the shaft and the balls, we got the extra comfort. Did you say woo? Oh, I said ooh, oh. important. Yeah, because I, I know how much it's changed your comfort while wearing underwear. You talk about it all the time. Yeah, you would think it's weird just having the separation there, but it's just so much more comfortable. It's hard to go back to any normal pair of underwear. They're extremely comfortable. I know you say it all the time with the women's line, which they don't have that for. You don't have the same pieces, but you got to check them out. Use the promo code SHMO at sheathunderwear.com to get 20% off. Well worth it. What a good deal. Yes. And the other sponsor for today's podcast, I could use one right now, maybe some Jocko Go, some Jocko Fuel, OriginMain.com. Use the promo code HELEN or the promo code SHMO to get 15% off. They have a great supplements. They're Jocko Mulk. Love using that. That's, that's the go-to. That's our protein. Yeah. I wish we would have brought some because yesterday you put us through this tough workout. They have an awesome gym here. Yeah. And man, my lats are sore. My 
uh, thighs are freaking sore from all those squats. I just love that they had a gym here and we're only here for like four days. Traveling across the globe four days, we'll make it back to the to the UFC fight this weekend. But yeah, no, their supplements are great too. Like their joint warfare, I love taking that. Uh, just their cold war, just stuff like zinc and stuff to keep you health healthy. Check them out and uh, you won't be disappointed. Yeah, so do you think we should play the uh, Mark Goddard interview or podcast? Let's do it. And also what's really unique about that podcast, uh, we did that podcast over in the room, very futuristic how they do things here. It looks like a Tron set with the lights go out. But we did that podcast over where they did the weigh-ins and face-offs. So it's cool. Well, we can't reveal too much about it, but if you stay tuned, because eventually we'll be allowed to talk more about it. Yeah, a couple of weeks from now, we'll talk a lot more about it, but uh, it's really cool. And I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we made it work. And I hope you guys enjoy episode 56, Mark Goddard. Here we are. We are at the Karate Combat HQ, and look who we run into, the one and only Mark Goddard. I know, on the other side of the world, in a secret location. Secret. Secret location. It's crazy because, yeah, we bump into each other in Vegas, bump into each other Fight Island, and now in a place that shan't be named. Guess what? This is our first time for all three of us involved with Karate Combat. Did you go over the rules and everything like that yet for, for the promotion? Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the guys... We've been speaking for quite a while, um, like a, a few months, and uh, the, the last, it was a scheduling issue because the last couple of events they had, uh, I was busy with either, either Vegas or Fight Arm, it, it just didn't work out. So they, they uh, you know, I've, I've looked at it and um, I, was, I was intrigued by the format. I was interested in the format and um, I, I like what they're doing. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Well, you've been in combat sports for a while. What do you think of the karate combat, the league that really intrigues you about it? Because it is pretty new. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, I like their format in the fact that, you know, they're showcasing their art, which, which is karate. And obviously, I mean, I come from a traditional background. I was never a, a karate I was never into karate. My traditional background started in Japanese jiu-jitsu. So in terms of being a traditionalist into a Japanese art, that can't have, have an affinity there. Uh, but like I said, I, I never studied karate. That, that wasn't one of my disciplines. But just seeing what, what the guys were doing and, uh, and, and the format, it just it, it intrigued me. And a lot of the time, you know, a lot of promotions and stuff have, have asked me over the years for different things. And, and I've, I've shied away from it. But I'm, I'm excited by this. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to to looking after the fights. Biggest uh, green screen I've ever seen before, 45 degree pit. I won't give too much away, but the schmo was the human guinea pig for Boss Rutten going over the rules. He tripped me, took me down. He had five seconds, no more than five seconds, not six seconds, not seven seconds, for ground and pound. I thought that was intriguing. You don't have to listen to anyone in the crowd screaming, stand him up, stand him up. You stand him up, he's only got five seconds to work with me if he takes me to the ground. 
Yeah, obviously the guys have got a, a specific rule set because, like I said, they're showcasing their art, which is karate, you know. But there is groundwork in, in traditional styles of karate, but predominantly it's, it's a stand-up art, or it's known as a stand-up art. And I think that's where you're going to see the majority of, of the action. But like you said, yeah, the, the one rule that's there is the, the limited clinch and limited groundwork. There's a... Once you've established a position, it, it's a five-second window that the fighters are allowed to work. No submissions, obviously. It's, it's it's strikes only, so it's something different to get my head around. And ironically, the last time we saw you was in Las Vegas. It was the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fight, and uh, he's got a karate background. Coincidence? I think not. Mm. Just putting the two and two together. There you go. Stranger things have happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the next time we see you in Las Vegas, it'll be for UFC 259. Yeah, two in the yeah 259. Yeah. In, um, yeah, in Vegas, that's the next show that I'm going to be working there, and uh, what a card that is as well. So before we get into that, how does it work for you getting all these different assignments? Because I feel like you're a man who's everywhere. You're a wanted man, different promotions. You know, you get your hands dipped as a referee for, for everything across the globe. Yeah, I mean, that's what people didn't, it's, it's funny because I put, there was a video that went out, there was a video that went out at the beginning of this, actually at the weekend, online for, for, for another YouTube channel. Um, and um, it was really well received because I was talking about a lot of myths and a lot of things that people didn't understand. One of which is who we work for, you know, I, I work for myself. And... Uh, officials, referees are independent contractors, we're not tied to promotions, so we're not UFC referees, we're MMA referees, and as such, working for other promoters, that's why you'll see me at Cage Warriors, or you'll see me at uh, KSW, or you'll see me in the Middle East, UAE Warriors, you'll see me working with IMAF and stuff, and then now, like I said, uh, moving over into, into karate combat, it's, I decide who, who I get to work for, and it's, it's a good place to be the best place to be and it also gives you just so much more experience looking at the different styles of different fighters not that you don't get enough of that in the UFC but looking at how different fighters come from in different promotions it gives you such uh, I would say probably this well-roundedness where you can be a better at your craft every single day because you get to see so many different things and you're not limited to just one specific style uh, rule set of how things go you get to see them all yeah it's good it's a fair point because it's good to come out your comfort zone too, you know, working with, I still work with amateur fighters, I love working with amateur fighters, and obviously it's still mixed martial arts, but the, uh, the, there's clearly defined rules for amateurs, things that you can't do that you can do in professional, and then obviously the same with karate combat now, it's obviously it is a completely different rule set, but not utterly, it's, it's not a, you know, it's not a completely different sport. You know, you're not jumping from swimming to table tennis or something. It's a combat sport. I've refereed quite a lot of kickboxing. Uh, in, I've refereed boxing and kickboxing in the past. And uh, K1 style fights too. So I'm, I'm looking forward from my own point of view. It's like the mental taxation of, of, of taking on something new. It's evolution for, for me too. Well, how do you manage to balance it all? In what respect? You mean from... Like juggling your schedule and doing everything. Just kind of having your hands dipped in everything. Yeah, I mean, obviously the last year was, you know, 2020 was was ultra slim. 
you know, if I go to 2019, I mean, I'm used to doing this, you know, I'm in the previous years, you, you know, 52 weeks in a year, probably 40 to 40, anywhere between 40 and 45, I'm, I'm working MMA somewhere on, on the planet, some of which is in, in, in the UK too. Obviously in the summer months, I'll take a break to go on holiday with the kids and stuff like that. And it's kind of like my, my role's flipped on its head, you know, like the kids know, like, you know, dad's at home Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday, he works at the weekend. It's just the way that it's worked for me. Um, so travel and, and flying off here, there and everywhere, it sounds glamorous, <laughs> and, and, but the travel part of it can get a grind. But then as soon as it was taken away from us, in, in, you know, it's funny enough because it's a year to the day today, isn't it? It was, um, I'd done a... Tyson Fury. No, 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 for, oh. for, for UFC, it was uh, Auckland. It was the Dan Hooker oh, and yes. Paul Felder fight. Is it, yeah, we were that at the Tyson was, yeah, Fury, we were, Deontay we Wilder fight. You earlier. were at the, in yeah. Auckland for... Because funnily enough, when we'd finished, we went back to the hotel because of the time difference, and then we were watching. So the fights had finished, and then we went back and relaxed in the afternoon with a couple of beers and, and watched the Tyson Fury fight. That was the rematch, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so that was, and then unbeknownst to us what was happening, and then we came home from, um, we came home from um, Auckland. I've got a, a like a six month working diary, and then all of a sudden, boom, Corona hit, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, I just remember the March seventh pay per view fight: yeah, Israel and Yoel Romero, Zhang mm -hmm. Wei and Joanna Janjacek. Like in the press conference too, like there was a reporter. I think it was like Mark Romaldi uh, from ESPN. Like he had asked Dana, like, what would happen if this virus were to hit and everything like that, and nobody knew. And then sure enough, here we are in this situation, we're still going through it right now, still evolving through it. Yeah, so nobody Ramondi, had- Mark Ramondi. Mark Ramondi. <laughs> yeah. No one had a clue. And then, so when I came home from, there was one event, I worked domestically, Cage Warriors, which was crowdless in March. And then I was at home, someone turned the tap off. And then the first, back in the saddle, was the, the very first Fight Island of July, which I will say, was the greatest series of events in MMA I've ever been part of, in, in my journey anyway. I think we can agree to that, and that's also the first time I interviewed you, or the Schmo interviewed you, was that Fight yeah, Island in July, on the balcony, on was, the balcony yeah. of our room. That, that series of events, that first Fight Island, unbelievable. The people that were there, just the, the way the fights played out, the way that we were doing what we were doing when the world had stopped, it was incredible. It literally was the showcase to the world that we could bring sports back in a safe manner, and it like was the foreground for how to test and the, and have pro the right protocols and the right safety measures and do things in this world we're living in now moving forward. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> we're talking about PCR tests. I don't. You guys the same with yeah. between Vegas and Fight Island, and then traveling to other shows. It's I'm into the hundreds of. I've been. Violated by swabs for over a year, <laughs> but it is what it is. I'd, I'd, it's a small price to pay to still be able to do what we're doing now, right? Did you get the vaccine yet? No. So it's obviously in the UK. That's one thing we've we've actually steamed ahead with it. You know, the government's really, and you know, credit to our. A lot of people talk about it. You know, we have national health service. You know, our healthcare is free in in the UK, and it's something that I wouldn't swap for the world. And then you know per capita, like we've 
with, with, the, with the world leaders and the amount, what, what, I think something like 18 million, 18 and a half million people have had their first doses. Obviously from, from an age perspective, I'm not quite there yet. I might be closer, probably closer than what you think, but I'm not there yet. And I've fortunately touched wood, I don't have those elderly underlying health conditions. And I think it will ramp out to the rest of the adult population by the end of the summer. Yeah, I was asking uh, Dr. Davidson at the last UFC fight, the UFC doctor, when he thinks it'd be available to like healthy, younger uh, adult people like Helen and myself. And, and she, or he thought that mid to late March through mid-April would be kind of like the earliest window. But even that's not, that's right around the for corner guys. for us. So that's only a month, month and a half away if that was on schedule still. That's soon. That's but pretty I, soon. I guess it's state by state in yeah. the US because yeah. it's not, you know, we have, it's, well, not Great Britain, you know, United Kingdom made up of four countries, but you guys are probably state by state. It might be quite different. I can just envision this right now where if you want to travel, renew your license and all that type of stuff, they're going to yeah. mandate you to get the vaccine. I could just picture a world where they do yeah. that. It is. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists. Right. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. We've all done worse things to our bodies. 100%. I've done worse things to my body for the last 47 years. Sure, yeah. having, a, having a vaccine to, you know, that people are trying to do, to, you know, developing us to stop, to stop us getting sick, potentially. Other people have their own opinions and ideas. That's up to them. So let me have mine too. At the end of the day, whatever can bring us back to normalcy, the world, and to do our job, uh, I'm willing and able to do whatever is necessary for the greater good beyond myself. And I know Helen can attest to that. It seems like we can all agree to that. That's 100%. just common sense. No more swabs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But didn't Dana also say um, he's trying to get fans back by the summer? Right? Yeah, there's, there's talk about bringing fans back to the UFC venues in the summer. Um, which I think would be pretty interesting. And I think Florida would probably be the most likely state if it's not Vegas, uh, Nevada, Las Vegas, uh, for fans in the U.S. Yeah, well, in the U.K., because our, our prime minister, he, he addressed the nation last night. It was like the big thing. So Boris Johnson, he put out the roadmap for, for, the, for the U.K. last night, to, uh, you know, on the national news. And then obviously it's they're saying now it's data-driven, not date-driven. So obviously, depending on infection rates and the number of vaccines, but they have put some definitive dates. And the main one there is obviously, I have a lot of friends like with, with gyms and academies, hopefully by April with limited, uh, with limited contact, they can open them back up. But the way the roadmap looks at the moment, I think it said by June the 21st, if everything keeps going the way that it does, everything's, all the restrictions are gone. We're back to outdoor sporting events, no limitation on contact, no limitation on numbers. So just the start of summer, we don't really have a summer, <laughs> but probably like a week or two weeks, but I think June 21st, the magic date for the UK, and we're back to whatever normal is. Did Eddie Hearn circle that yet? Has <laughs> he got all the fights for matchroom boxing and everything lined up? I'm sure he's uh, all excited about that. He, he, Eddie Hearn's got, as we say in this, as we say in England, it's boxed off. He's got it boxed off. Boxing <laughs> belongs to Eddie Hearn. Sorry, Frank. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, let's circle back then to UFC 259. It will be the next time we see Mark Goddard and U.S. Soil refereeing for UFC events, first time in 2021. There are three title fights. Um, when do you find out what your assignment is for the night? Is it literally that day, or will you know ahead of time 
uh, what what your assignment's going to be for the night. But normally, it's funny because in in a certain amount of U.S. states, like Nevada, most notably, maybe California, New York, commissions will have meetings before, and as for title fights, they will assign the officials, referees, and judges uh, before that date, and it can become public because obviously the hearings can be public knowledge. So you, that's why you'll see sometimes in Vegas or California, big fights, title fights, there are certain media outlets will pick up on who the assigned refs and judges are at all other times. And any other fight on that card, you don't find out until we turn up at the, so whenever we, we, have, um, we have a report time on, on the day of the fights, you turn up and we get handed our assignments. That's the first time that you'll see who you're, who you're assigned to fight. And that's the best way, you know, nobody knows. So there's no, you're not preconceived with any ideas. Uh, you know, the fighters will find out when you go into the locker room and see them. And th that's the way it works. As a referee, I mean, I think something that is like not talked about much, but you've got to be feeling the pressure. You look around the octagon, you looked around all these different promotions, a big sponsor everybody has is betting, is gambling. It's everywhere. The fans are involved. In yeah. fact, the UFC, they even have a person, uh, uh, the, get the Johnny the Greek, or what, what oh, is the guy's Gianni? Gianni the Greek. Or they Johnny. Have, Yanni the Greek. They have people coming in and betting and stuff like that. I can only imagine that makes your life so much more difficult, the pressure and everything, people from the outside asking you this and that and that. And your job as a referee is just to stay as neutral as possible, right? Do you ever feel like with this increase in gambling and especially in the sport that adds more pressure to your job? I couldn't overstate enough how categorically untrue that would be. I couldn't give a fuck about people's betting habits. That's not my job. That's not my job to do because invariably that's what happens to us. You know, we make a call in a fight and then Twitter will implode or there and they're like, yeah. you're this, you're that. And I go, come on, how much did you lose? You know, it's not my fault that your fighter lost. Honestly, I could not underline more boldly, more heavily how less of a damn I could give about. That just doesn't come into it. You know, persuasions on people's, we're as neutral as neutral can be. You know, referees don't, obviously we don't gamble, even at fights that we're not even assigned to, you know, it just, it just doesn't happen, we, we don't do it. Don't believe everything you read, Twitter. <laughs> of course, of course, no, I just imagine there's so many people out there, just everyone gives everybody crap for no freaking reason at all whatsoever. Yeah, no, and no, everyone doesn't have thick skin. People don't have thick skin, but everything, gambling, yeah. decisions, it just seems like every single fight, like they find something new Especially to rip apart. Especially on Twitter. Yeah. Like after some of the refs, and like, it's like, I, it's just, it's ridiculous. Listen, man, look, uh, I said before, if you, you, if you haven't got a thick skin in this game, you better get one quick, you know, because it is what it is. But yeah, the, the, the gambling side is always, you know, that they accuse you of gambling, they accuse you of being paid off, they accuse you of this, they accuse you of that. It's part and parcel. You know what, it's, it's even, it's kind of sad and, and maddening to say that, that it's part and parcel of the sport, but it is. That's, that's what social media does, but 
I think I said to you before about the dog shit analogy, right? Yeah. We don't concentrate on the dog shit. If I go for a picnic, my blanket does not go next to the dog shit. Yeah. It goes to the nice, clean grass <laughs> where the flowers are, and I sit and enjoy my lunch. Well, I'm not sure. We were traveling and we saw it. I mean, I, the dog shit I saw, so obviously Curtis Blades... <laughs> Curtis Blades, he yeah. got knocked out by Derek Lewis. Some idiot, some moron fan somehow got his cell phone number, FaceTime him, and it was just like, hey, Curtis, you got knocked the fuck out. You got knocked. He had the audacity to say that. Yeah. We're talking about keyboard yeah. warriors, people hiding behind it. And he FaceTime it, and then they post it all over the internet. Could you believe that crap? It's Yeah, it's, sadly, yeah, it's I can't believe shit. that crap. Uh, sadly, I can believe that. But that's, listen, when you have people like that, right, they crave what they don't have. They crave what they cannot get. So when they're attacking fighters or they're attacking officials or personalities and people in media, anybody that gets ahead, when people are attacking you like that, you've got to remember that, you know, I can only be struck in the back or stabbed in the back when you're ahead of someone, right? Yeah. So the people like that, as much as, you know, and, and all the messages and all the personal stuff, that's why... I'm very select about my social media. I don't put my family, my children, for that reason, you know, because it's a sick place out there, but you've got to rise above it, you know, and you just don't, it's hard sometimes, you know, if you just say you don't give them the, the time of day, because those kind of people, it's just, it's my overriding feeling is sadness with them. I get mad too sometimes, because I get mad because I know I'm never going to fucking meet them. I would love to meet them. I have a thousand and one detractors, but I haven't met one yet in person. Funny that, isn't it? But the things they do to, I mean, that kind of thing and the way they attack people, it's, it's, it's all about what's missing in their life, ultimately. Yeah. And they're just sad individuals. Yeah, I tell Helen this all the time. If you're going to take the time out of your day to write something negative, Especially if, if you're putting some positive content out there or, or informative content out there and they're going to take the time just to get a reaction out of you, to rise out of you. What is going on in their life that makes them as miserable as they are to actually do that? I'll tell you what's going on in their life. Fuck all. That's why they, <laughs> that's why they have to do it. Because if, if I see someone on Twitter that has a following and they react back to me, it's like, oh. Look, look at what I've got. It's like Christmas to them, right? Yes. Because they're noticed, because yes. they're so, because they're not doing anything constructive or they're not doing anything to achieve. The, the happy people and the achieving people, they haven't got time to do that. It's what we said about fans, right? Fans on Twitter are not fans to me. And, and uh, uh, look, let's not tire everyone with the same brush because I still believe firmly that all those negative naysayers, they're a small minority. The vast majority of people, they're just damn good people, right? Yeah. They're hardworking people and just normal people that like to see people do well. Or even if they don't like to see people do well, I'm not going to find my phone, go out my way to find somebody, tag them in and write what I want to write. You know, the, 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 the true fans of this sport, which is the lifeblood of why we're sitting here, why I get to work, why you guys get to work, they pay to keep this sport afloat, right? They spend their hard-earned money at the weekends to buy tickets and travel and buy pay-per-views and keep the sport alive. You know, all the little negative bitchy naysayers that are streaming in their bedrooms and on forums that have never been to an event in their life and will never go to an event in their life. Get on with it, man. Get on with it. Hey, you put, you put it in a really, really yeah. good way. You can't really beat that whatsoever. So are you uh, 
accustomed to this no fan stuff, or do you, do you would you say by this point you enjoy not having all the outside noise, or you just are chomping at the bit to have like some real taste of fans? I'm not talking about two thousand people in Abu Dhabi filling yeah. up that stadium, Etihad Stadium, but like having you know ten thousand plus type fans. In of course, and listen, and look, I'm just happy to be at fights. You know, that that's the the first thing. I'm just happy to be at fights. Obviously, the, the way the world is at the moment, that they're crowdless, yeah. But Abu Dhabi was a, you know, we had a few fans and a little bit more than obviously when Connor fought and Connor and Dustin fought in the pay-per-view, there was, there was only, what, 2,000? But yeah. it sounded like a lot more. I've got, listen, look, there's nothing better than walking into, everybody feeds off that energy, right? The excitement and stuff. And when that comes back in stadiums and arenas, yeah, of course, I, I can't wait. We're just waiting for that Raiders stadium. We're just trying to yeah. figure out what it's going to be. There's so much on the line. And then UFC 260, whatever happens with Nganu and Stipe. You got John Jones waiting in the wing. You got Izzy, UFC 259 against Jan. I mean, of all those names I just said, somewhere along the line, one, maybe two of those guys have to be headlining a venue like Raiders stadium. We spoke about that, didn't we? We did. Yeah, we did. We did. You know, and I was very fortunate to be the guy who was – I was in the middle for the UFC's attendance record in Melbourne when it was um, Izzy and, yes. and Robert uh, Whitaker. Rob Whitaker and that kind of thing, you know, that's magical. But yeah, the, the Raiders Stadium is, that's the one. There's this, that's on the horizon. And like you said, with the fights that, this is the beauty of our sport. The big fights are right themselves, right? You know, people are just, people are moving divisions and up weights, down weights, stuff like that. And then champions going on to have super fights future's good man yeah and i know that habib even though he said he's done for now he's so number one in the pound for pound for now yeah because he I, hanging on to it you know in the sense that i think dana doesn't want him to retire and how could you want him to re want him to retire he's undefeated you know that division's exciting even though he's beaten all the top guys aligned there but there's fights to be had with him i mean there's he puts butts in the seats. He brings eyeballs to the game. He has an entire region behind his back, entire portion of the world behind his back. Of course. Listen, man, it's mystery 101, right? The enigma. Is he, isn't he? Is he gone? Is he coming back? He's got something that's so rare in MMA, which is an undefeated record. It's such a rare entity. John Jones, I know technically John did have a, a disqualification. Last Are they ever going to overturn that? No, no, no. They, they can't overturn it because it wasn't the right thing. It's not the right thing to overturn it. And I know people will have, it is what it is. It was what it was. It's gone. A lot of people will look at John. What I'm saying is, is another man hasn't stopped John Jones, right? So for want of a better description, the purest, we know he's undefeated at the hands of another man. He's never been stopped. He's never lost an a submitted KO, TKO'd, or lost on the scorecards. So an opponent has never stopped or best John Jones, right? So he's undefeated. It's That's a good way to look at it. It's a great way to look at it. Habib as well is like, a, you know, the guy's an enigma, even though he's a physical being who's still fighting or was still fighting. The fact of him, you know, has he gone, has he, uh, has he not gone? That's, that's for him to decide. And like I said, the super fights will just, oh, sorry, you know, just slap the back of my hand. Mr. Adesanya as well, apologies. Um, so, you know, those are those true, you're moving towards that super fight status. And that's what I said, the horizon, the future's bright. 
I think a good note to end on, we are in an undisclosed location here at the Karate Combat HQ. In fact, I believe they did the weigh-ins in this Tron-looking uh, area on the set behind us. Uh, it's the first time we are both in this part of the world. Like, first time we're in this country, not part of the world. First time we're in this country for all of us. Is there a place that you've always wanted to referee that we can't say this location that you haven't refereed yet? Not from a for, from a country point of view. From a country yeah, point mate, of view. Yeah, mate. I mean, like all the big ones have been, all the big ones. My friends will get that reference. Like the, I've kind of ticked them all off, you know. But there's still MSG is the one place that I would, and I'll. Funnily enough, I was I've just got my license in New York last year, even though the Habib and Tony fight was meant to be in Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, to MSG is is the one place that I would. Hopefully one day, like I've, I've done everywhere else, you know, obviously Vegas and Brazil, Saitama, Super Arena, Japan. I, I've been fortunate to stand in all these wonderful places and then still visiting new countries like we are now and, and getting around. Still loads of countries I want to get to, but we'll see what happens, man. It's been a good journey nonetheless. So there it is, Mark Goddard in the Mecca, Madison, Madison Square Garden. That is the, uh, the, the dream scenario, or the next one on the chopping block that for you to uh, end your illustrious career. It's one, one little tick I'd like to get. I'd like to complete the sweep. Yes, episode 56 of the Schmozone podcast. We are out.